So we're reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it had come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you, and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, and has brought us the good news of your faith and love, and reported that you always remember us kindly, and long to see us, as long as we as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith? Now may, God, our, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of God. Oh, gracious God and heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for the way that uh, you have worked in our lives uh, opening up our eyes and our hearts uh, to know uh, and trust in the Lord Jesus, uh, our Savior and King. And we pray that uh, the faith that you have planted in our hearts, you would grow and grow and grow. Uh, that whether, um, wherever we are in life, whether we remain here at SLE Church or whether we're passing through, wherever we may end up in the future, that you would hold on to us as we hold on to you. We thank you for your word and we pray for the encouragement uh, and the inspiration and the challenge that it will bring us today. Uh, please open our minds and our hearts to your word. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's been uh, three weeks since church camp. Uh, it feels like a lot longer than that, but it has only been three weeks and we had a great time there. Uh, for those who were there, I think you would testify to that. And for those who weren't there, hopefully you were able to hear some of the news and the reports uh, from that weekend away. Uh, we heard four sermons, amazing sermons from Romans 8. Uh, if you missed out on that, please do listen to them. I believe that they will be put on the website soon. Right? Um, uh, it's well worth your time and effort to spend maybe four of your quiet times in the coming week uh, listening to those four sermons, which were really wonderful. Right? It really just warmed our hearts uh, and really um, helped us to really understand uh, the relationship that we have with God through Jesus. Now, one of the highlights of the camp uh, was a time reflecting on God's goodness to SLE Church over the years. We reflected over the last 45 plus years, but especially over the last 10 years, 
these stories of grace through the weekend gave testimony to God's work in producing genuine gospel faith in our church over the years. It testified to genuine gospel ministry being done. Now, it's uh, not perfect by any means, right? We haven't had a perfect history by any means at all. But we rejoice uh, that the message and encouragement of the first two sermons of this series over the last two weeks, uh, genuine gospel faith and genuine gospel ministry, we've been able to see this in our church. And we rejoice and we give thanks to God for that. Now, here uh, is a photo of the church camp. Uh, many of you will find yourselves in there. It's probably too small for you to look. Um, but certainly, three weeks ago, at, this, at the moment this photo was captured, it highlighted one of the high points uh, of SLE Church's life, isn't it? One of the high points of our church. The question, though, is this. In a year's time, in five years' time, in 20 years' time and more, who will still be standing firm in the faith? Will we, who have started well, uh, continue going and to keep growing in our faith? Now, one of the unique features of our church is the number of people uh, who come to us for a short while and then leave. And not because of any problems, although I'm sure there are those who have left because they've been unhappy about something, but because of the sort of transient nature of life. Uh, international and interstate students who are here for a semester or for a few years, or whether it's the demands of uh, work and family and other circumstances that causes us to have to say goodbye, either for a short time or for a long time. Uh, now, in our passage today, we see this is the experience that Paul himself had with the Thessalonian church. Right? Paul had founded the Thessalonian church, but now he had to be apart from them. Right? He couldn't be with them anymore for a while. Uh, he had to be apart. But here, as he is apart from them, we see the heart of Paul, the genuine gospel minister. We see Paul longing to know how these believers were going and whether they were holding on to their faith. We see just how much these believers meant to him. We see the great joy that he had as he received the great news, the good news, uh, that they were standing firm. And we see his great desire that they will continue on steadfast in their faith, growing in love and in holiness uh, toward God. Now, as a pastor, I think this part passage really especially speaks to me. Right? It really is an encouragement to me and inspires me. And I hope it will also be an encouragement and inspiration to all who lead in any way, all who minister the gospel in any way in our church. But whether we are a leader or not, I hope that you too will see the purpose of this passage you see, standing firm in faith is truly good news. That's what we want to see today, right? That standing firm in faith is truly good news. It is cause for both great relief, but also great rejoicing. Great relief and great rejoicing. It is, it's, it's relief and rejoicing for yourself, for you standing firm, but also, and especially, I think, for those who lead you, who have ministered to you the gospel in some way, shape, or form in your life. Because your faith is precious, your life is precious. You are precious. Knowing this then, I hope we'll all press on in our faith in the Lord Jesus, in love for one another, and we'll press on in growing in our holiness towards God as we wait for Jesus to return. Well, that's what this passage will be about. So let's dive in, starting from verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17. 
Now we see in this uh, short part of the uh, beginning of this passage, uh, Paul's eager desire for F2F, right, face-to-face -face, uh, with the Thessalonians' friends. He couldn't stay at Thessalonica, as you heard, a couple of weeks back. Uh, he administered there, and then he was kicked out, right? He was chased out uh, by all these people who were against him, all these Jews. Uh, him and his group, uh, including Timothy and Silas and others, were chased out after he had founded the church. Paul says that he was torn away from them, right? The Greek word there literally means to be orphaned, right, from them. It's an emotionally charged language of forced separation. Uh, Paul is eager, uh, speaks of his eagerness, uh, his constant and intensely driven desire, right, to be able to see them again uh, face to face. But as yet, he couldn't, hindered by Satan, Paul tells us. Now, exactly what Paul means uh, to be hindered by Satan, we aren't told, so we don't know for sure. Perhaps uh, it is the persecution that kept him uh, away from Thessalonica, or perhaps it was something else that was sinister. But Paul saw the hand of Satan preventing uh, the work of God, uh, the adversary of God, um, an adversary of Paul preventing him from being able to reconnect with his dearly beloved brothers and sisters. Now, back in, uh, in 2020, uh, 2020 uh, about two and a bit years ago, uh, in March, uh, many of you can, might remember that clearly, especially if you're an international student. Uh, within a space of a week, um, uh, the news of the lockdown uh, had come through the church, uh, and people were suddenly packing their bags and having to leave. I still remember very clearly, uh, the leaders got together that Monday night, I think it was mid-March 2020. We were scattered around the room here, about 20 of us, because we couldn't sit close together. There were the four uh, meter square restrictions. Uh, and we were grieving the fact that within days, 50 of the students would be leaving uh, pretty much overnight. Uh, the feeling of people being torn away from us and then being torn away from us uh, was a very real feeling that night uh, as we shared uh, quite a few tears. And then for uh, no less than nine months, uh, we weren't able to see many of those uh, students who had left. And even some of them we haven't been able to see since then. Now, of course, uh, back in 2020 and today, we still have Zoom, right? Uh, we still have FaceTime and all that kind of uh, great technology that allows us to be able to see each other face to face. But it's not quite the same thing, uh, is it? Now, for Paul, he had no Zoom. The separation was real. Uh, but why was he so eager right, to, to see them again? Now, he hadn't known them a very long time. Why was, his, why was he so eager? Have a look at verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You hear that, right? It's amazing, isn't it? That, that Paul couldn't have a higher view of his flock, could he? Right? Hope, Paul says, you are my hope. Hope is what you long for. You are my joy. Joy is what makes your heart sing at the deepest level. A crown symbolizes victory, your victory and your highest achievement. Your crowning achievements display your glory. Right? What's so great about you right, is shown by your crowning achievements. And amazingly, all of these things, the, the hope, the joy, the crown, and the glory for Paul is his flock, right? Those that he preached the gospel to, those that he discipled, and those that he cared for. They were the ones that held this lofty place in Paul's heart and in Paul's life. 
Right? Paul tells us that when he stands before his Lord Jesus on that final day, when he has to give an account of how he has lived his life and what he has achieved, he will excitedly and eagerly show off his spiritual children and say, here's what my life has been about. These brothers and sisters mean more to me than anything else in this world. And Paul had a bucket load of achievements in his life. But his hope, his joy, his crown, his glory, they were his spiritual children. Can you, can you sense just how strongly Paul feels for every single believer of this church? Now, when I read this, I, I, I'm inspired right, by what Paul is like as a gospel minister to want to see the people that I serve, you guys, right, in the same way. I, I, could I really say right, that you are my hope and my joy and my crown and my glory? I'm just looking at Ivan now. Can I really say he's my glory? Right? <laughs> Look at that face. Um, <laughs> could all the pastors and all the workers of this church say that as we look at the people that we minister to? that you are our hope and joy and crown and glory. Could all of those uh, leading groups and meeting people one-on-one -on -one think of the people that they serve and minister in that kind of way? Perhaps we might say, hang on, Paul is really rather special, isn't he? Right? After all, he is the apostle of God, of Jesus Christ. He is the one who founded this church. He is their spiritual father. But I want to argue that to some degree, this is applicable for all of us who are ministers of the gospel. It's because this chapter paints such a beautiful picture, doesn't it, of authentic gospel ministry. And it's showing us the, the heart of the authentic gospel minister. So it's not just about Paul. I think it's about every gospel minister and every gospel ministry in every sense of the word. And so, this is my go-to chapter in training up potential leaders. I think it has to be. And we need to think of the people we serve in this kind of way. People aren't just projects. And I would say people aren't just people. Right? Somewhere out there at a distance, the people we serve have in some way to be our hope, our joy, our crown and glory. Now, Paul decided that he couldn't bear not knowing about how the Thessalonian church is going any longer. And so he decided to send Timothy, right? So Paul sends Timothy, so we look on in the next few verses. Therefore, when we couldn't bear it any longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. <clears throat> now, this was a, a costly move for Paul, right? Life and ministry, if you were to read on in Acts 17, were pretty hard when he went to Athens and then to Corinth after that. And Timothy wasn't just any guy that he was sending. Uh, he was a brother to Paul, actually a spiritual son to Paul, as well as a co-worker in the work of God, right, in the work of the gospel. He was losing a valuable companion and ministry partner here. But Paul was willing to give up his own comfort and support if it meant he could bring comfort and support to the believers in Thessalonica. He was willing to suffer if it meant the Thessalonians would be able to stand firm in their suffering. And this is what Paul says, right, was this purpose for sending Timothy. 
to be able to minister to them, to be able to exhort them and to encourage them in their faith as they were suffering and facing the afflictions that they were facing. The kind of afflictions that caused Paul to be kicked out in the first place was probably the same afflictions that the church was now facing. It wasn't that Paul was worried because he hadn't prepared them enough right, for the suffering that they're about to receive. He reminds them in the second half of verse 3, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. Right, destined for this, isn't it? For the afflictions that he's just mentioned. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. You see, Paul had warned them, guaranteed that suffering and hardship would come, and it came as he predicted. Now, I'm not sure if you've noticed, uh, but here at SLE Church, uh, we've we talk about suffering and opposition and persecution a lot, don't we? If you've been here for more than a few weeks, I think you would realize that it comes up just about in every sermon, perhaps not as part of the main point, but certainly as part of a sub-point. So here's a graphic of the last 12 sermon series that we've preached. And I want you to be able to see whether you can remember how suffering and affliction and persecution has been a part of every single one of them, right? So let me just pick one. You can see the cross there, right? That's a pretty clear symbol of suffering and persecution there. And then we've got Revelation series, and obviously there's heaps of suffering there. We were called to conquer. Uh, then there's the Acts sermon series as the gospel goes out, empowered by the Holy Spirit. There was all the opposition that came, and discipleship in Luke's gospel, and so on, right? Every single sermon series seems to have suffering uh, in it. Now, it's not because we at SLA Church love talking about suffering as if we are masochists, right, who love pain and thrive on it. Nor are we defeatist pessimists, you know, who are full of doom and gloom. You can see that we're preaching through Scripture. And it is Scripture, like Paul, who is constantly reminding us to be prepared for the hardship and suffering that is destined for every believer to face. See, a minister has failed not just his or her job, but has failed the word of God by not preparing those they minister to for the suffering that is destined, guaranteed, to come to every single one of us if we are to be faithful to the Lord Jesus. And so preaching and teaching and the discipleship of young believers that masks or hides or minimizes this Christian reality is profoundly damaging damaging. Now, Paul, though he had prepared the church well, it didn't stop him from worrying about the church. He desperately wanted to know how they were going. And were they standing firm in their faith? Or had the tempter, the evil one, somehow tempted them to succumb to suffering? Or perhaps to turn away from God, right, in distrust and in disappointment as life got hard? Had their faith fallen and had Paul's labor gone to waste? Now, these were the things that kept Paul up at night. Right? Jordan gets kept up at night by preaching. Uh, Paul gets kept up at night by worrying a little bit, I think, about whether his flock was standing firm in the faith. And these were the answers to the questions that Paul was desperately wanting to find out because their very eternal lives were at stake. But on top of that, for Paul, they were his hope and joy and crown and glory. Now, once again, as a gospel minister, this both inspires and challenges me. Right, one of my greatest joys in ministry and one of my greatest fears in ministry 
is whether those I have ministered to are standing firm in the gospel or not. Right? It's one of my greatest joys and my greatest fears in ministry. And while, while they were here, or you are here now, uh, we taught them through the preaching and through the Bible studies and through our one-on-one meetups and post-sermon discussions and discussions over lunch and dinner and, and the byways of life. We tried to ground each other in the faith. We provided them with uh, the, the, the teaching uh, about the, uh, the faith, the gospel, uh, the Christian life, that hopefully will be able to withstand them through all the hardships and sufferings that they would face in the future. But now that they're gone, how are they going? Have they stood firm? Have our labors here in SLE Church been in vain? Now, I think it's partly this fear that causes me and faith to want to go back uh, to Singapore and to Malaysia and to Sydney and other places as often as we can to be able to catch up with people who were once part of our ministries. Uh, we've had so many people who have left us, hundreds who have gone through SLE Church to other places. and now getting to a point where it's pretty much impossible to catch up with everyone. Now, as pastors and staff, we long to hear news of those who have left us, uh, whether it is to other churches in Brisbane or to other places in Australia and throughout the world. Uh, in our church, uh, there are more people passing through than most. Uh, I think many of you are familiar with that. That's part of the nature of our ministry. And I think it's easy for us who minister in this context to feel the, the burden and the discomfort of that. I know over the years, I have chatted to some of you who've really struggled having to say goodbye to people all the time. It's easy, I think, for us to withhold our affections and investment into people's lives, knowing that they'll be here for six months, 12 months, a couple of years maybe even. It's also easy, once they've left, to forget them and not be concerned anymore about how they are going. Now, it is, of course, emotionally impossible to hold everyone in your heart in the same way for all time, right? We just don't have that much emotional energy sometimes. But I think it is a challenge for us to remain mindful and, and prayerful and thoughtful and, and caring about how those who have left us are going. Perhaps there is someone in the coming uh, day or two that you might want to send a message to, someone that you knew from SLE or from another church before that you haven't seen for a little while. Perhaps you could send them a message just to see uh, how they're going. Perhaps someone you know who might be going through a hard time, who've had their faith rocked, Drop them a message, give them a call. I think that would be a great thing to do. But back to Paul, uh, he sent for news, right? Uh, and the news that he got back from Timothy was great. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Now what Paul received from Timothy was the good news of their faith and love. Now literally... Right, receives the good news from Timothy is this word, right? Evangelizo, or evangelizo, which is the word for to proclaim good news or to preach the gospel, right? Timothy literally preached the gospel of the Thessalonians' faith right, to Paul. This is the only time of the 55 times that this word is used in the New Testament, which is not about the gospel itself. Right? The 54 other times this word is used is about preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. This is the only one time where it's about proclaiming the good news uh, of a believer's faith. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? But you can see the connection. You can see the connection there, isn't it? Uh, the good news of their faith is, in a way, the good news of the gospel, isn't it? It's the good news 
that they were clinging on to the good news. And so Timothy preached the good news to Paul that they were holding on to the good news of the gospel. They were remaining faithful to Jesus despite the suffering and hardships that they were facing. They were living out the gospel, loving God and loving one another. Faith and love was the report that came back. Such simple, monosyllabic words to say, such easy concepts right, to understand, but such hard things to have and to do. Such hard things to hold on to, to live out and to press on in lives that are filled with sin and suffering and temptations and disappointments and frustrations and pain. To be able to keep being faithful, to keep loving. And so to hear the good news of faith and love is indeed good news. Paul also receives the good news that they still care for him and that they want to see him. Which is really nice, isn't it? Because unrequited love sucks. Right? One-sided love uh, so uh, it's nice to know that they loved him too. And look at the impact, verse 7. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. Uh, the, the news brought great comfort to Paul <coughs> and to the other gospel workers that were with Paul. Uh, though things were tough for them, the news of the Thessalonians really lifted their spirits. Paul said that it was life-giving news, right? For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. You think about it, it's a bit over the top, doesn't it? Like, now we live, now we are alive, right? If you are growing in your faith. Unless you remember, who were these people to Paul? You know, say it with me, they were his hope, joy, crown, and glory. They were what his life was about. So of course he would say, so now we live if you are living in Christ. Now can you imagine having your life, having your hopes and having your joys being so caught up with how others are doing in the faith? Can you imagine that? I'm not sure if that's how you think about your day and your week as to whether you are truly alive if the people around you the people in your household who are believers, the people in your Bible study group, the people in your fellowship group, the people in the church, brothers and sisters in your family and in the community that you know, how they're going deeply impacts how your life is going. Can you imagine a life like that? Can you imagine having leaders, having all the brothers and sisters in Christ being so concerned for your faith that they are very life dependent on how you are going? Can you imagine what that would be like to have leaders and, and ministers of the gospel who care for you like that? Now, it's funny how in God's timing I'm preaching on this passage uh, because I, along with the family, uh, have just experienced uh, exactly this, right? We just come back from Singapore uh, and we went in large part uh, to get news, right? So we didn't send someone, we went ourselves uh, to get news, to meet face-to-face uh, -face, uh, with the SLE graduates and to find out how they are going on in the faith. Uh, and it was wonderful, right? So many of you who are on my Facebook have seen these photos. Um, these are some of the more recent graduates. Strangely, this uh, group of graduates all paired up within SLE, almost all of them, and they married each other. A bit uh, <laughs> incestuous, not really, just kidding. Um, and this is a slightly older group from a few years back. You see some familiar faces there. Uh, there was one gathering there, and then finally the oldies, right? You can see that because of the kids uh, in the picture. These are the batches from uh, 09 to 012, roughly, uh, who left us. 
Now, the great news about all these photos is that almost all of them that you see in these photos, they are pressing on in their faith, trusting in Jesus, loving God, loving their church, loving their families, and loving those who are still lost in their lives, seeking to reach out to them as best they can. In spite of the insane Singapore pressures of work and family concerns and financial worries, the temptations of worldliness and materialism and all other manner of sins. To have met them and to know that they are pressing on their faith and love, I gave me and faith and the family, especially all the two girls who know a lot of these students. Actually, they're not students anymore. They're like workers and grown-ups. Gave us all really great joy, and it certainly made our hearts sing. Uh, these people, my, my crown of boasting, uh, my joy and my glory, I, I would say so. I would say so. Now, a few weeks back at church camp, we showed some videos uh, from two pastors in Singapore where many students had gone home. Uh, they proclaimed the good news uh, of our students, our graduates' faith and love. And we managed to collect some stats, uh, which we showed back then, which I'll show you now, right? So these are the graduates and, uh, and, and uh, those who are pressing on uh, in ministry. Some of them have gone to become full-time pastors, others into ministry training and many others into leading small groups and kids' church and youth group and all sorts of things. Uh, back at church camp, well, when we heard this news, when we heard the reports from Dinesh and Ivan, and we saw these stats, it was great joy to know how those that we ministered to as part of Pastor Church had pressed on. I hope it will warm your hearts, right, as you know this as part of our church. But we have to press on, don't we? Uh, Paul gives thanks and praise for the believers. Verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You see, Paul, in, in, in knowing and hearing the news, this great news, responds with great thanksgiving to God, for he knows that it is God who has grown their faith. But he doesn't just stop there in giving thanks. He goes on right, to pray to God uh, more and more for their faith to keep growing. It's great right, that they have started well and they've come this far, but it is not yet finished. It is not yet finished. They need to press on all the way to the end till when Jesus returns. And so Paul concludes this passage right, with this prayer in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Paul prays that God will make a way for him to have a face-to-face -face with them. And then he prays that God will grow their love for one another and will grow in their holy lives live towards God. Now, Paul is always extremely thankful and joyful for the past and for the present, but he's never satisfied, is he? Because he always wants to pray for more, for growth. He never wants them to live in the past or in the present alone and to rest on their laurels because Jesus is coming. There is still a life to be lived a faith that must go on, that must grow, that must be lived out in ever-increasing ways of love and holiness. And so you see these photos and these stats. You see, what you don't see are those not in these photos, 
and those not in these stats. Among those who are not in these photos and these stats are those who have been seduced by the world, who have succumbed to sin, who have fallen to the lies of the tempter, those who have stepped back or have fallen away, those who have not grown in their faith, who have not increased or abounded more and more in love, who have not had their hearts become more and more transformed in holiness towards God. So the question then is, what about this photo when it comes up of us? At our high point, right, in SLE Church's history and present. I, undoubtedly, I think, three weeks ago, in that weekend away, uh, the, 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 the feels that I got was that certainly it was one of the high points of our church's lives. Uh, the, the good news, or the news that others receive of SLE Church is one of faith, of growing love and holiness. That's certainly the news that I was telling and preaching when I saw people back in Singapore over the last couple of weeks. But what will it look like for us in a few months' time, in a few years' time? When the 40 or so of us leave for the church plant in about eight months' time, and we desperately want to hear news back from SLE Church, when we Facebook stalk you guys, I mean catch up with you guys, what news will we hear about how SLE Church is going? What news will you hear about me and the 40-plus that have gone to the plant? What news will you hear about the graduates who are finishing in a few weeks' time, going home to Singapore, Malaysia, Hong Kong, Sydney, Melbourne, or wherever life takes us for work or family reasons or other circumstances, what news will we hear about us in the future? Now, I really hope that it will be good news. The good news that there is growing faith in every single one of our lives, an abounding love for one another wherever we might be, whether we are staying or going, a growing holiness where we're living differently for God in the world. That no matter what hardships or challenges that the plant has brought to SLE Church, whatever hardships and challenges of having to leave a church we love, whatever hardships and challenges of having to leave, having graduated from the, the, the paradise that is Brisbane and SLE Church, whatever hardships and sufferings we might face as we stay or go, whether it is in Brisbane or in other cities of, the, of Australia or even in the bush, or to the farthest reaches of the world, whatever it is, I hope that the good news is that our faith is strong and is growing. What an encouragement that would be, not just for yourselves, but for every single person who has ever ministered to you. Now with that in mind then, let us pray together. We don't do this often, but let's do this one time. Let us pray as Paul prayed as a church all right, a bit of a variation or a modification of the doxology there in verse 17 to 13. We're going to say it together as a church, okay? Now let's pray this prayer to our great God. Let's go. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to each other and may the Lord make us increase and abound in love for another and for all so that he may establish our hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen.